Welcome to the Growth League podcast, where we interview business owners who have experienced quantum leap growth in their business. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into our guests' firsthand experience about what it was like 90 days before and 90 days after that point when their business started experiencing massive growth. I'm here with my buddy and guest, the notorious, the one go fast, don't die, Ryan Gill. Yeah. I didn't actually don't even know where this hat's from. I saw it on, I think it's a motorcycle company. Go fast, don't die. And I saw it on I the I mean, desk. it makes sense, right? For those that are listening and not watching, it's, it's, he's, he's commenting on my hat here. And <laughs> it was on the desk of, you know, Laura, who works in marketing yeah, yeah, yeah. at The Gathering? It was on her desk. I was like, I like, I don't know what they call these hats. Um, like hats that have the sh- words yeah. on them, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. statements. You know my other one I wear, life is beautiful. Yeah. And uh, it makes people comment like you just did, so. Hey, it worked. Thanks, for, thanks asking, for having me. Thanks for having me. This yeah, is man, fun. Appreciate Let's it. do this. So for those of you that don't know, I know we have a large Calgary contingent, so you probably know, but uh, Ryan Gill is, uh, I wouldn't call it shiny object. He just loves seeing opportunity and going after it, but he'll go deep. Uh, he's he, he goes for substance more than the luster. But uh, Ryan um, started, he's the co-founder and CEO of Suitcase Interactive and started that in March of 2002. And yeah, I think 2001, actually. 2001. Is that what it says on the internet? Yeah. Okay, go with what's on the internet. And then uh, and then kind of achieved the the dream. You grew it, scaled it, exited it. Um, yeah. Then uh, it was one of the co-founders at Cult Collective, one of the co-founders at the Gathering of Cult Brands, which is, uh, if you've never been, uh, probably the best brand marketing experience I'd call it an experience, not a oh, conference, Yeah, thanks, uh, in the world. And, and now I've seen some of the plans for how you're going to deal with it this year. And I think it's going to probably be even better uh, yeah. in terms of we'll, we'll get into that. Um, and then right now, Ryan is primarily focused on where he is the CEO and co-founder of Communo, which is, which is his play on, on fixing a lot of the issues that have tarnished the marketing agency uh, world for a long time and the landscape for a long time. And we're going to dig into that today. The podcast, as you know, is all about growth it's all about uh, those moments, sort of six months before, six months after that hockey stick curve. What was going on? What was the context? What are some of the ingredients required for for growth? So, Ryan, thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. And and he he said a, a shiny object. I think that, that's funny. I think true entrepreneurs, the ones that have made it and that have staying power, the opposite of that. They're rusty, they're <laughs> dented up, and they're beat up. And I feel like that for me. It's been a uh, long journey that'll be 20 years next year and um no but thanks for having me yeah the the and also the ride at suitcase like you mentioned that just to jump into that you know it was the ultimate ending it was a good ending mm. uh but we you know we were uh bankrupt and then broke and uh you know we basically pulled the thing off the off the ground and saved it barely <laughs> and then got lucky to meet chris who's now my business partner uh, a shared client we had mark's work warehouse and um and uh they ended up buying our company but basically bought it at a loss we had lots of debt and um but ended up working out really well what, what was the growth evolution story of suitcase let's go yeah. back to the beginning and then we're going to jump into into communo a lot but talk to me about what the tra- trajectory of growth in a nutshell was for suitcase. yeah it's that's a great um where place to start um so when we started it um we, my partners and I, so we, I had two partners, 
guy named Trent Martins, who's uh, a great creative director in town. Still is. And, uh, <laughs> Still is. He's a good dude. And uh, a guy named Joel Goldberg, who is uh, actually just took a job at Brookfield, but he went from uh, Suitcase, and he worked at Cult for a while, and then he went over to Critical Mass, and now he's at Brookfield. He's a UX guy, but started a designer. The three of us left a, a firm called Media Madhouse in 99-2000, and um, out of the gate, actually, it took off right away because we were the only ones really doing websites even then. That sounds hilarious because <laughs> 96 is when websites started happening, but... Um, we came from a shop that did digital business cards with CD-ROMs and, uh, we were like, that's this, this internet thing, websites, it's going to be the thing. And so we came out of the gate and two things happen when you go out and, and do something, you know, new, you're either going to not get any clients or get lots because people, a lot of people love early adopters. And, and if you can find them, find your, uh, you know, the people that, resonate with that and they want to be in the cutting edge and we were lucky to do that out of the gate so we took off uh right away but i still remember i tell the story lots i'll share it again on your podcast is the first three months luckily it was the summer but um i I was just walking down 17th avenue selling whatever i could and uh it wasn't really websites like do you need a logo do you need uh, a website do you need a flyer and um I remember the last it, subway used to be uh, right near Fourth Ave and Fifth, mm-hmm. and I got like to the end. I started the, at the uh, west end of Seventeenth, made my way down. No sales, <laughs> literally going door to door, trying to sell the stuff. And uh, the, the little did I know, this is funny how young you are is and naive is. I went into Subway, asked them if I could do a website for them. They're like, well, this isn't really head office. We don't have that power. Uh, Franchisee. Yeah, totally. He had, he had, it wasn't even that. It was an employee. And they said, but would you like a would you like a, a sub? And I was like, sure. And I had no money, so he gave me a sub. True story. And so uh, I came back with my first sale and showed my partners that it was a sub submarine. And uh, but. No, it we grew really fast, and actually that was part of the problem. Growth. It's interesting your podcast is about growth because growth often kills companies that doesn't uh, make them. And, and I think our growth almost sunk us. So we really grew really fast and went from doing two thousand dollar websites to twenty thousand dollar websites, then to three hundred thousand dollar websites, then to multi million dollar websites. Uh, for our our big one that got us in trouble was to do the first e commerce hmm. uh, um, build for Shaw. And then the recession hit, and they just called me. I remember Dev Avis, the CMO, called me and said, "We, we got to take this internal." And it was mm-hmm. de- devastating because we had just bought a, or we just taken a big lease on an office, forty thousand square feet, um, sorry, ten thousand square feet, forty thousand dollars a month, uh, and uh, it was all ego for for me. And um, that's the lesson we learned. And often growth, if you don't keep it in check, and um, sure. bad things can happen. So so we it it. it basically failed at that time because we couldn't make the the rent payments and so we started scaling it down and we'd lost some big clients because of the recession and um, that so that we had to let a lot of people go and we barely saved it to save the business and then came out of it better and smarter and uh you know you got some wisdom from it and um and then sold it a couple of years later so we we resilience is the is the key thing i think in entrepreneurship mm, for sure so f- going from the free sub to the 10 grand to the 20 grand to the 40 <laughs> whatever it was yeah. uh until you got to the point where you where you identified in hindsight that growth was the thing that killed or yeah contributed to death 
what were you doing though to get that that early stage growth, yeah which which is doing all... great work we were doing great work i talked with trent and joel earlier they were the creatives i was the business guy that would did some uh basically did the business development and some finance um and uh yeah we and we also right away went out of out of calgary and out of out of canada actually and so we were doing a lot of work um in the midwest of the u.s and um we kind of went to the places where competition wouldn't have been high, like mm-hmm. in New York or LA or Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were in Wisconsin and we were in Cincinnati. And what was and, the pitch? Uh, Just go from not being online to be online? That's right. Yeah. So one of my board, I, one of the, the best things I did when I was a young entrepreneur and business person was get a board, an advisory board. And uh, they, one of my board members at the time early on dropped this. Uh, he, he knew we wanted to go up market and, and build these bigger websites and he said, well, here's the Rob report. Do you know what that is, the Rob report? Yeah. It's, I think it's out of, out of circulation now, but it's a um, report on business. Okay. Uh, and, uh, but it was like kind of a fancy one. There'd be like uh, Rolexes, all this stuff. And he says, people in here, if they can afford an ad in this, in this magazine, why don't you just phone them? If they have, see if they have a website. Most right. people did, and they were usually shitty. And so that was the big breakthrough. Um, I just started calling them. And oddly enough, I don't think I've actually put – put two and two together from the sub to this. But basically what I did was I went through cause I, he gave me, he said, phone everyone in here and get a hold of them somehow hmm. and tell them you saw their ad. And everyone likes to know that the DNA required it, to ask for a free sub as compared same. to asking for, well, I feel like it's the same thing. And so I, I was like, I was asking, I was rip, basically every time I called someone, I rip it up, rip the page out, the ad. Mm-hmm. And if they said, no, I just throw it in the garbage. And, uh, it literally was the last ad. It was a company called Burger Boat Company. Horrible name. Uh, but they sold super yachts, and they were uh, 100 million minimum. And their website had seagulls on it. <laughs> okay. And, and like it was a 90s website, super slow. And uh, I got a hold of the marketing director, and I still remember her name, Katie Ross. And uh, I said, Would you give us a chance to uh, build you a better website? I think people. Uh, I, I believe your product needs to be shown off better. And she said, actually, yeah. And at that point we had just created something called a web tree. <laughs> this is our consulting practice. And basically we'd say the roots would be the back end, and the nice. leaves would be the features. Nice. And I said, can we come and do this web tree? And it's a, it's, it's a two week thing, pay us five grand to yeah. do that, which we hadn't even got paid five grand for a website. Yeah, so it's just a hail Mary. And she said, sun. yes. And so that, that was the big jump, that one, uh, with Burger Boat. We went from doing, I think our biggest website at that time was 20 or 30 grand, and, and we ended up closing a $300,000 website build, which was game-changing. I was like 24 years old. So it's critical you knock that Burger Boat site out of the park. Right? Yes. Because that's it. That's the opportunity. Yeah. And, and, and we, we had to build a great team. And mm-hmm. so when we came back with that, that really helped us take off. And then that was a big span. I think I, I'll probably get the dates wrong, but for the sake of the podcast, I think it was 2004 to like 2006. Yeah. Literally we were falling ass backwards into big deals um, because that is when the internet really took off. Uh, Obviously Facebook in 2005 and things like that started happening. And um, the internet really blew up as a commercial medium. And so we were the only game in town except for critical mass. And Mm. so uh, Ted Hallard, shout out Ted Hallard, built a great uh, company still, remains to this day and obviously diane and chris run that now and we were always their baby brother i think and, and they like that they would take our people we try to take theirs but 
yeah, they would be, you know, a hundred people. We'd yeah. be 10 people. They'd be 200 people. We'd be 20. We'd kind of be, uh, really tiny, but we would, uh, really look up to them as a company. If they could do it, we could mm-hmm. do it. And so I'm really thankful for what critical mass has done. And I still have huge respect for them. Totally. So, and by the way, Ted Hellard, when you say his name, Critical Mass, all I think of it as is he was the head coach of our arch rival uh, high school basketball oh, team really? when I was in high school. Bastards. He was? He freaking, so this is what he said, uh, and he'll know this story, but he, at the beginning of the year, their team was like, okay, below okay. He said at the beginning of the year, if you guys win provincials, saying this to his team, 16, 15-year-olds, if you guys win provincials, I will get you each uh, like a big gaudy ring, but each of, each of you will get to pick out your own Mini Cooper, whatever color you what? want. Yeah. So sure enough, they go. They they do this Cinderella run. No way. Win it. And I don't know why, but the Mini Cooper thing didn't come to fruition, but okay. like guys are still talking about that today. Like, What happened to the Mini Coopers, Ted? I don't know. Ted was... I, I know him well, so I'll text him. You should. Yeah. And that's a true story. <laughs> so I, I want to skip over quickly because, uh, I mean, we had Chris on the show and he talked a lot about cult and an un- unbelievable story there. Um, but jumping into this thing called Communo, tell me about the napkin drawing. Yeah, well, yeah you can't talk about Communo without talking about yeah. cult. So um, when Chris bought my company, Suitcase, and he had Watermark, which is a uh, – it, it's a great – a match made in heaven because we had a great company, cool culture, did great work, but we had no clue how to run a business. They had a really uh, well-operated company, and they didn't have a bad culture. They had really good people, but it was lame. They they did flyers, right, and, and billboards, and they saw that that ship had sailed. And, this is uh, Watermark? Watermark, yeah. And so, you know, they were operationally sound and had money in the bank. We were super creative and couldn't keep money in the bank. Right. And so, uh, it was, we really, um, deferred to them on those things operationally. And then they deferred to us on, you know, where we should take the company creatively. Uh, we operated under the name suitcase watermark, very creative name, uh, <laughs> the start for, for 10 months, I think, or 12 months. I don't know what Chris, how, what Chris said, but somewhere just around a year. And then, um, we both agreed though, even at that merger and acquisition, um, was we didn't want to have tons of employees. I just went through basically feeling like I was going to die from stress of, you know, saving the company from bankruptcy, restructuring it, letting lots of people go. And we both just did, and he had quite a bit of people on us that we both from day one said we didn't want uh, to have tons of employees. So we called it Cult Collective right from the beginning to say, hey, let's try to make this thing grow, and but let's keep our FDE count really low. Mm-hmm. Excuse me burping on a podcast here um bubbly bubbly free yeah, shout out we're gonna need you we're gonna need you to go ahead and sponsor the next show yes bubbly let's do it um so cult collective was birthed and then it was on the idea that we would have this contingent work model and so that didn't come to fruition for quite a while but uh communo was launched as cult was that my phone or was that yours terrible jared jared producer's uh, phone's going off <laughs> uh the idea of the collective was launched um partially i'll be real honest and vulnerable on this of like we were handing out millions of dollars of contracts to people and i remember one christmas saying you know and it, maybe it's selfish but it is it's just how i felt that year was like 
I think I got one card from someone that we had helped connect, you know, mm-hmm. so much work to. And it's like, you know what? I don't mind. They did good work to people, and that's all they're obliged to do is, you know, do good work for our clients. But not one of them even said thank you. Mm-hmm. So I said to Chris, I was like, we're going to have a town hall. We had about, a, I think we had a 74 people come that were either contractors, whether they're small agencies or individuals. And we had it over here in the commons, a building yeah. in Inglewood. And uh, we invited everyone. No one knew what they were coming for. We said we wanted to gather everyone that worked with us that year. And we announced that day, uh, called the collective, uh, that as of that day, uh, you would have to pay to work for us. It was scary. That's and so I said to Chris before, I said, I really think 90% of these people are going to give us the middle finger and the other 10%, that's who we'll start with. Mm-hmm. And um, he agreed. And because uh, he agreed, he was like, yeah, it's not really fair. No one's even saying thanks. Right? right. And I think that's a problem with the creative community is everyone's looking out for themselves. And um, it's just a poor way to live. And um, I was done with it. But to my surprise, it was the other way around. 90% of the people said, I'll sign up for that. And in the early days of now Camino Collective was the more you paid, the, 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 were you at that? Were yeah. you at that? Yeah. yeah. The more you got paid, you get the further you got to the front of the line. Yeah. So I think it was like 800 bucks a month and then it went to 400 and it's such a broken model, but we tried it and it worked. <laughs> and then at the basement of that. Yeah. And then Camino, uh, I guess we operated under the collective for like, three months or six months, but there's the collective is such a ubiquitous name. Everybody they're, they're everywhere. Yeah. You think of a yeah, collective yeah, yeah, in every city. Yeah. So I, we just said, we want to have a unique name. And then really to the point before people tune out in this podcast, uh, my real mission in life, my calling, my purpose is to eradicate loneliness. And mm-hmm. so I started looking at names. If we're going to do Camino, uh, the bigger purpose of this was to build a, a community or a commune. And, and if you study communes, it's everyone really helps out. It doesn't matter if you're small, big, we all just help each other out. Right. We're in it for each other and not for ourselves. And you come giving first. So that word, just commune was such a yeah. great word. Mm-hmm. And then of course you can't buy commune.com. So I just add an O on the end to make it a tech company. <laughs> yeah, and uh, some people call it kimono. And, and so it's communo, but um, we could, we could buy the, I still think the com was like 10 grand. That's how I spoke Spanish when I first moved to Mexico. Just add an O to everything. Just add, so. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I, I don't know if I answered the question, no, but you sure. started well, with cult and we started with the operating model that we believed we would win more work and we were always up front with our customers. Yeah. Like I remember we won Keurig uh, in Boston over the big agencies and we had, I think, uh, at the time we had maybe 40 employees. Mm-hmm. And we were up front with them, and I opened the primitive app, Communo. I said, listen, I know you're talking to you know, uh, DDB and, and Ogilvy and all these firms, but not only are we better at creative, I think, that's very subjective, but we have this bench of you know, mm-hmm. over, an, over 100 people at the right. time, which now, now I think there's 60,000 yeah. people on there. <laughs> but we had 100 people, yeah. and the CMO, Scott Moffat, uh, he said, I love that, that you even think that way because that's where we're going. That's amazing. So then that's, that's how Camino was really birthed. And, um, it's been a, it's been a, such a hard, it's the hardest business I've ever had to build though. Why is that? 
the, if you do, if you do a bit of research on like the hardest businesses to build, you actually find this that marketplaces are the hardest to build mm-hmm. because you, you constantly have, from it. yeah, and you constantly have um, if you fix one side, the other sides the equilibrium is actually impossible, mm. um, and that's what makes it valuable. Is like you get more buyers, and then you need more sellers, and you get more sellers, and you need more buyers, and it's a constant. So you're signing up for a long journey, and, and that's right. what I did. And I really I mentioned to my calling that Camino Chapter One, which we're in right now, is, uh, and we're moving into Chapter Two soon here. But Chapter One was always in my mind was you know projects, people, people to projects. So it's a, a right. job platform, right? right? And um, it's it's been amazing, um, and what it's done for people is amazing. Um, but chap- Chapter Two is adding students and schools. And then we're going to add media. When I say media, I mean syndicating media like Ad Week, Brand Week. We're mm-hmm. not going to create media. And then also adding user-generated content to the platform so people can create their own. Think about LinkedIn verticalized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you, we just started to add brands as yeah. well. And so uh, pretty massive brands, NASA. and uh, you know, we're, I, There's a few others that I can't announce yet, but <laughs> they'll be coming out in January that are extremely massive. We just added EA Sports it's in the uh, game. last week. What's that? It's in the game. It's in the game, yeah. Um, so we're just wandering and I, I love that mm-hmm. word wandering. Uh, and I got it from, um, Alex Bodman from Spotify last year at the gathering. He said, you know, it's, everyone thinks it's, you know, it, it's all cookie cutter when you get to the end of growth, mm-hmm. like a company like Spotify mm-hmm. would, but he's like, they kind of stumbled into greatness and wandered into it. And that's where we are right now. We're trying to figure it out, but it's, uh, it's been a good journey. So, you know how g- company growth, a lot of people make the mistake to think that that is infinite, but every company, if their growth is like a tree, at some point trees become mature. And I stole that from Chris actually. Yeah. But he loves that. Where, uh, where would you say you like, are you, are you guys a sapling right now? And, and where, what, yeah. what defines a hundred percent for us? Oh, we're, I'd say to get to maturity, we're probably at least 10 years away from that. Yeah. And I used to be, and not even when we started this thing, I thought this would be a quick clip. And we've had offer, we've had offers to buy us uh, from uh, the big names and that you, you can think about. And uh, I'm just committed to building it and building it here in Calgary. And so we're still a a, a baby. And um, Chris and I disagree on this whole sapling th- or like tree thing because okay. I feel like that's a bit of a cop out. And he knows it's yeah, but trees also uh, have seeds that fall out and they okay. grow and and they reproduce. And yeah. I think growth is in, can be infinite okay. and uh, as long as you're playing an infinite game there's an awesome book uh by simon sinek infinite, infinite game. game have you yeah. read it yeah it's, amazing. it's awesome i just started it so i'm in the middle of it but i love that i'm not in communo to just become big it's mm. like i really my purpose is to eradicate loneliness so for and for our industry so i'm not trying to do right, it in right, the world right. but for our industry and loneliness is often uh predicated by a couple things ego or or insecurity and uh we're trying to make communo for those insecure people make it as easy as possible to meet people yeah. through our member blenders back yeah. in the day yeah. uh but making the app feel more like a uh matchmaker yeah. than a um you know go out and find and hustle yeah. i think you still have to hustle and work uh but then i'm also it's also loneliness comes from ego and thinking that you're better than other people right. and you're bigger and you're too uh, you're super important. It's like, do you, yeah. do you, so, I, I love that yeah. eradicate loneliness in industry. Um, mm-hmm. do you recall, okay. So like if I go back to 
the early, early, early days of Camino when I was mm-hmm. kind of getting courted by Patrick there. Yeah. Um, is there anything that sticks out in your mind that took it from the napkin idea to, no, this is, this is legit. This is uh well, yeah, for sure. So Chris and I put the money up to start, um, a couple hundred thousand dollars, which is, is big at the time. We, it's just an idea. And, mm-hmm. and then we hired Patrick actually his first hire and, uh, he moved out from Ontario. Uh, what made, really made it real was I'd never raised money before I'd built all my companies brick by brick for the last 20 years, um, organically. And, um, uh, so I was uh, insecure about going and raising money for a couple of reasons, just because it's weird to take other people's money. And uh, but to go raise venture money was weird, mm. was foreign to me. But so we just announced it, and uh, to kind of people that knew that we were doing this, and we wanted to create a tech platform. And um, re- relatively quickly, now looking at now we've done a seed round and a proper Series A is happening the next summer. We, we we raised it in like less than a month, a million dollars. So that was the Were moment. Were you just hitting the pavement or how did it No, happen? it just, a guy named Patrick Lohr who runs uh, Panache Ventures, partner there. I've known him for years when he was at iStock. And uh, I think it's called, I call it the speed of trust. And so hmm. I don't claim to be a perfect entrepreneur, but I always try to own things when they you know, we fuck them up or whatever. And um I think I have a pretty good reputation. You're not going to not, I know people hate me out there. That's fine. But for the most part, I feel like I'm a likable guy. Yeah. You guys uh, can unsubscribe. You. Yeah. But, but we announced it and then the word travels fast and speed of trust. If people know you're doing it and I'll give a shout out to some names that helped us out of the gate. So uh, Bob Sartor, who's the CEO at uh, the airport, but was at sport check for years, CEO there and uh, ran things for the Frisanis. He was a huge supporter uh, Chen Fong, he's a prolific investor here, and he's in Order of Canada and a very well-known uh, name in the investment community. Sanders Lee, who owns Hopewell, hmm. and uh, and then um, Panache Ventures, uh, and a guy named Mike Volkel, who's a, been a supporter of me for many, many years. They came in fast, and we had a million bucks, and then we had to figure out what to do with it. Uh, so it was it was interesting, and so that that was the moment where it was like, okay, now we gotta. Go make this happen and now and then for me it was also a moment of a bit of fear because I, now i had people's money and i'm not i, I know they're they're all um so- sophisticated investors and they all know that yeah, most, yeah, it'll yeah. likely go to zero that's yeah. that's what happens with most startups yeah. but i'm not down with that and yeah. so um now i was like okay th- this has to work i have other people's money as soon as you took other you know, yeah so some again even though you know it's a buyer's beware yeah but it was a weird moment for me and so that that was mm-hmm. big and then you know i had a really comfy job i was i i for years 13 years i was the ceo of a of a digital startup that did well did shitty and then did well in the end mm-hmm. um and then i worked under chris number two at cult for many years which i actually really loved yeah. i thought you know for those CEOs out there that ever go through a merger or an acquisition and you're worried about being the CEO, just say, no, you don't want to be. Because I, <laughs> I had all the power in many ways, but I didn't have all the responsibility. Right. And now to move into the CEO seat again at, at, at Communo, I actually was kind of nervous about that too. I was like, I, I, don't, I like being a number two. I'm, mm. I'm a good team player. Um, but it's been quite a ride. And then, and then last year we did a thank God before COVID came we uh, did a, a proper round of three and a half million dollars um, and so, you were around for all yeah. that and I was very open on social about it because I wanted people not to see it done but I wanted them to see the journey yeah. and so we raised quite a bit of money and 
that was, uh, we closed it in, uh, in December. So about a year ago. Hmm. Um, and so now, now we've, you know, expanded around North America and, um, it's the hot now commuter is in the hottest sector in the whole world. Right. Right. Uh, contingent work and yeah. remote labor. Automatically. And, yeah. And so that was a, that was the big, mo- if you want to talk about a big moment, it was March. We went from having, you know, an average of, you know, two, $3 million worth of work a month come on the platform to have 20 to $30 million, 10 X. Hmm. Uh, and then just everyone calling. How much of it, how much of the growth is about, so in the early days, it was leveraging that, uh, that foundation of trust that you've amassed over the years and through your integrity and things like that. Um, at what point did you have to start leveraging different marketing activity to, you know, amplify something that was already there or, or has it spread? I I actually think we did it wrong. Like I think we're starting to, so we did a lot of things. We had an inside sales team, we had marketing, social channels, all that stuff, which, there's obviously a time and place to work, but it's all about timing mm-hmm. in a market and that people understand. And I always knew Camino would work. I knew it was going to take a long time. COVID basically sped it up like two or three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, when it comes to product market fit and product marketing, we didn't put enough, and you use the platform, we didn't put enough flywheels into the product, meaning like, share button like simple stuff that i know i'm from this industry Uh, so it's interesting sometimes how you make mistakes in the product to make it easy to share like even for you like how we're building it now but imagine this where it's we're calling bench which you don't even it's not out there yet but basically hook and ladder comes on the platform say you work with 30 or 40 people Mm -hmm. uh, freelancers we're a pay-to-play model everyone pays but in your case, flywheel effect, so creating basically a network effect. Yeah. Now we'd let you put your 50 uh, freelancers that you use on your bench, and they can work with you for free on the platform, right, oh, with you. But then it, we can then we start to trickle in the product to say, hey, if you'd like to work with the other uh, opportunities on this platform, you need to pay. And so that, that's a great idea that we're adding in there now. And uh, So I think we stymied our growth just with trying to be – uh, traditional in our mm. sales and marketing approach of like hitting the phones, hitting LinkedIn, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, I think it's uh, it's okay. I think if you have product market fit and you people understand what you're selling, like what you guys do, people understand the services mm-hmm. Hook and Ladder mm-hmm. does. Uh, right. Usually, right? They right. understand. Uh, they're tried and tested things, but people didn't really understand, don't really understand Camino yet. It's so you can throw a lot of, that's a great insight for every listener. You can throw a lot of dollars at Cute and and creative stuff if if the market isn't ready for it or they don't understand it then you're just wasting money yeah we we wasted a lot sorry to burp in your mic again this bubbly i'm gonna stop sure this sure i'll pick it up too yeah the um could you pick a age an age of ryan where if you had the opportunity like 60 seconds you had to go back and and spend 60 seconds with the younger version of ryan what age and where where are you in your your career and what specifically? Let's say you have thirty you have thirty seconds to say, hey Ryan, keep an eye out for this or or like a don't time do I this. enjoyed like, be like no 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 enjoy, just like you're giving yourself a heads up. Oh yeah, on, that's easy. Yeah, that that's so that's easy. So I think it was in two thousand six we started getting we started just be, believing our own bullshit of mm-hmm. how good we were and and it's hard it's it's in the good times usually that you need to be careful, right? It's so we were you know, that thirty $300,000 yacht manufacturer mm-hmm. deal. And then that, that something came after that through them. And, you know, we're, we're on these, uh, shows and we're, I'm top 40 under 40, 
all this stuff starts happening and it's hard as you know, I was young in my twenties and th that's when I made that decision, uh, to get that huge office space, top floor mm -hmm. of the yeah. skyscraper downtown. Uh, and we could afford it at the point. The point was we could afford it at the time. Right. But what I realized over those years, if I go back, it's like you got to have three to six months of money in the bank, which we didn't have to cover everything. Right. All right. And so those, if I go back and tell my younger Ryan, I was in my late twenties at that point, just, you know, always live within your means, make sure you're, hmm. um, you know, you got money in the bank, take care of people. Yeah. And I just got full of myself and I, I'm, I'm not, you know, uh, know me, I'm not one to shy away from you. I think having an ego is a good thing. It's important. Hmm. You need to believe in yourself, but when you believe that you're, uh, untouchable or it's always going to be good, that's just false. Yeah. And so there, look what we're in right now. And it's interesting uh, and shout out to Chris because he's been helpful in my life and a great business partner. We're good for each other, but we run a very uh, conservative business right. from a financial perspective. And when COVID came, we we're good for quite a long time. Mm. So we, we could, you know, we still made the right moves we had to. Uh, but even then, that's another example of as soon as you know bad times are coming, you got to gear down. Hmm. And so I didn't do that. And, and then when times are going good, just don't think they're always going right. to stay that way because right. they're just not. Right. Probably 10-year cycles, right, of the market. And uh, I didn't know those things. There's uh, there's so many different paths and journey to growth, um, especially, and you've probably experienced different ones for different businesses. Um, but in your experience, has there has is there any sort of common common denominators one two three four things that need to be at the foundation before growth is even possible yeah you definitely for sure and it's something i did early at suitcase that helped us grow it's something i did early at the gathering uh, we haven't done it at cult we probably should but i always at community we have to have a board because we have investors so we have a good governance mm -hmm. but having a board of some sort uh, from people from your industry and some people from outside the industry that won't hmm. won't shy away from telling you the truth and uh you know that is the hardest thing you do but just like just your dad now if you don't discipline your kids at all they're gonna run wild and and there's a, a moment of tough love you know i think ensures years of you know uh good times but mm -hmm. so i i always had boards um that and i would say to my my suitcase board they didn't speak enough truth to me uh, they should have said, "We'll be careful." Or maybe were they buddies. What? No, what they were. Maybe I didn't listen. Too. Maybe they. All right. Uh, you, you can also have a board and not tell them stuff. Right. 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 Uh, so no, they weren't buddies. They were people. They're smart people, and I actually look back at them and, and and say, "How did they let me go through that?" But at the end of the day, even if you have a board, you still need to make, you know, wise decisions. Um, so that's number one. Uh, for those in the service business, especially in advertising marketing, uh, have three to six months of cash in the bank at all times, no matter what. Uh, another thing I've learned is pay yourself first. And uh, it sounds selfish, but uh, since I started doing that, a guy named David Baker, have I told you about him? No. He, David Baker, an amazing um, consultant in our industry, uh, really was the one that taught me that, that Whatever you want to make, put that in the budget as a line item, and that's what you're making. Because don't first. count on profit. Don't count on profit. Build the profit in. I think we, too many of us, you know, too many entrepreneurs, growing entrepreneurs, make that mistake. It's like, hey, whatever's left over at the end of the month, that's yeah, that's the profit. That's wrong. It's wrong for our business. So there's different types of businesses, but I think that's really wrong for our business. And um, and then I would just say, uh, and I, I, 
I feel bad for some of the people that work for me when I was a really bad CEO. And I've said this before in podcasts and people phone me and they're like, what are you talking about? You were awesome. And I don't think I was because I was in it for them or I was in it for me, not them. And I just think you, money comes and goes, clients come and go. Think about your career. But the people who work for you, they'll remember you forever. Mm. And so treat them well. And treat them well doesn't mean being nice. Right. And that's also what I've learned. It, it's it's abusive not to tell them the truth as well. Yeah. And so I feel like I've gotten better at that. I'm still learning. I think people management, and it shout out uh, Tony Shea. Uh, he passed away. He was a great, good friend of mine and a client and really, I think, put cult on the on the map. And um, it's yeah, been a tough couple of days uh, with, with the, talking with their team. And anyways, Tony taught me this as well that um, – and obviously he built a whole career and an empire off treating his employees well. And uh, so that's the other thing I'd say is it's so cliche, but yeah, money and, and clients even come and go, but just protecting your team, um, that'll last forever. Now, I think uh, the last 10 years, anyway, first 10 years I learned, the last 10 years, I haven't been perfect, but I think everyone that's come and gone through my doors, um, they know that I care about them and um, – uh, it doesn't work out all the time, but it's, uh, I've always told them the truth and they know I care about them first. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Can't be understated, man. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what we're in the business of doing. Right. Yeah. And that's what makes it so difficult right now. I mean, we just got this space a year ago or, you know, great culture in here, great energy, great vibe. I've been, you know, boom, boom, but cool. that's all right. I think that, I think that we had enough time where we built that the seed of of uh, something strong that it carries on in these in these shows. Oh, it's times. very cool in here. I love, I love that. Uh, what you, I, I look forward. Well, we will come back from this. I think. Yeah. A year's well, a long time. It'll probably be even longer, but we'll look back and be like, yeah. it will be like a blip. But yeah. it's it's shitty for sure. Um, but I I hope we uh, open things back up here soon. I have two uh, two more important yeah, questions for it. you. So uh, this one is that. Not always, but but businesses that achieve growth and scale and all these amazing things, great things, they typically have strong leader, strong leadership at the helm. Um, and most of the time, not always again, but strong leaders have very good and specific routines. Are you, yeah. are you a man of routine? And, of course. And, and, what, and what, what goes yeah, into I think your morning? Before or? that, too, I would say they also have values. And I think yeah. my routine is when I want my values, but... Um, I'll start with values and I'll get to routine. Please. I know you didn't ask this, but I think great leaders live in their values and they don't go outside them and they don't let other people's rules or uh, days, you know, mm -hmm. go uh, just, you know, them booking your calendar or those, you know, those mm -hmm. people saying this is the way it has to be, or this is how we operate. It's like, well, if it doesn't fall in line with my values, I don't do it anymore. Yeah. On that note to segue is, yeah, like I, I have really strong routines and, um, the, uh, the, the, I, about a year and a half ago, I was always a night person and, um, back to values. I want to be family man first. Um, and, uh, I said to my wife, I said, you know, like we have dinner together. That's our big thing. And she, mm -hmm. I was like, how many dinners have I been home for this before COVID and stuff? And she's like, like this year. And she's like four. I was like, no, I was like, what? And it was because I would wake up a little later, like eight, nine o'clock. And I was not ashamed of that. It worked for me, yeah. even nine thirty. Yeah. Um, and, but then I'd work till 10 or, and so 
that it, it, it changed in a moment. I was like, I'm becoming a morning person. So I picked up at the time, uh, Robin Sharma's book was big. It was into the 5am club. Mm-hmm. Serendipitously was kind of a big a top seller. So I read that actually, I didn't read it. I audio booked it. And, um, and then, um, that was the start of it. And then I got a, uh, a morning coach. There's this great quote by a guy named Dan Sullivan that says, if you can't figure out the how, cause I was trying to figure out how forever, yeah. it's usually the who, who can help you. And so I, I, um, asked that, by the way, those listening to the podcast, that is not my phone. <laughs> it's, uh, someone else is in the room. Um, but I got a morning coach as well, a guy named Matt uh, Gagnon, and he's a, a great guy. He literally, is, that's all he does is coach executives to become a morning person. Really? That's, talk about a niche. Talk about a niche. That's and it's amazing. It's not cheap, but it's amazing. And I got up at, started to get up at five, and uh, we, I've kept that for a year and a half now. And um, it's a, uh, I can turn this off. We can just no, flip it off text for him. Um, the, uh, 5 a.m. club is stuck for me, and I can't believe it. And everyone that knows, uh, you'll text him, but it isn't on his phone there. <laughs> isn't that kind of weird? <laughs> yeah, you, we're going to turn this off. <laughs> is it on here? Yeah, it's his computer, so yeah. hit the... There we go. We're back. Yeah, watch me text him. Ding it. Oh, oh fuck. Yeah, who puts dings on except my mom who's like Your phone's just been dinging off the hook in here. Oh. Ah. Oh. Oh. Uh, where were we? What were we what were we saying there? We're at uh, five AM club. Just a quick pause, eh? No, we're gonna keep it rolling. Turn that shit. You, you'll cut oh. it off. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> this is, uh... But hey, if anyone listening knows Jared, this isn't a surprise. This is classic. And he's so chill about it too. <laughs> I, I I usually a producer would like fly in and be nervous and Jared just walked in. Oh yeah. Oh shit, okay. is that my phone? Sorry about that guys. <laughs> Time in. Time in. All right, we're back. Uh so I'll go back to that. So routines. We'll cut that back in. So yeah, so a year and a half ago I got into the five AM club and it's very uh another thing I do is I sucked at mornings and so I'd miss breakfast appointments too. I'd be late for them. Mm-hmm. It's just that's just disrespectful. So I did two things. Started getting up in the morning so I could get home for dinner with my daughters. Right. I haven't missed since, and um, which is amazing. It's the best part of my day. Uh, and we sit down to eat at like 5.15. Yeah. It's amazing. It's awesome. And then uh, the other thing is I don't do breakfast meetings at all anymore. Yeah. So best way to not miss a breakfast meeting is <laughs> not have them. any, uh, which is so weird, but it's been great. So I actually work from 5. I, I get up at 5, 5 till 6, kind of reading time. And then I, I have a trainer that comes at 6 till. 6:45, and then I don't. Uh, then I kind of hang with my family, ease into the day, and then I start at 10. Yeah. So, but I have five hours of me time and some work prioritization, etc. And then uh, by 10, I start taking meetings, and then I always take my most important meeting at 10 or 10:15 10, right. kind of thing, so I can be at the top of my game. And then by around this time, I think it's mid afternoon. I'm super tired, but then I usually finish at 4:30 ish. And then I head home. Get home. And uh, well, now I'm at home most of the time. How long ago did this start? Because I think I remember I was talking to you a year and a half. It's been eight. Ago. It's, it might even be two years that it started. But yeah, like you were like, co- it must have been right when you were doing it because you were like a man on a mission. You're like, hey, this is yeah. this is my my deal. Yeah, and, and having routine. I had a routine again. I, I I don't. I'm not an advocate for morning 
mornings uh, if it's not you. Like, cause I I ran a pretty successful life doing nights, and mm-hmm. so it's okay. But often this world, especially the Western world, we live kind of like a, a nine to five world, which is fine. So I needed to shift my life to live inside that. And so now I got ahead of it and it's changed my life. And I, I would, uh, his, his program's called atomic mornings for anyone's listening. Hmm. Uh, I think he has a podcast. He's definitely, uh, pretty highly followed on, on LinkedIn. Uh, his name's Mar- Matt Gagnon and, uh, check that out. and, uh, his com- his project or his company's called atomic mornings. And, uh, the atomic and, habits guys pissed. Yeah, maybe. I think it was, he was <laughs> I think mornings was before it, but anyways. Uh they're both great. I love yeah. Atomic Habits. It's also a great book. Um so that's that's that. And then um yeah, getting physically fit was a big thing for me yeah. too. So you still Oh yeah, man. I'm yeah. a five oh five AM guy too, but it's work out and you know what? It's the daughter. As soon yeah. as you have a actually that's another thing. Advice from one girl dad to another. Like, I got mine's 18 months. Yours are a little bit older than that. Yep. Um, do you got a, you got a couple for oh, me? Oh, it just gets better. Uh, every So I have a three and a five-year-old. She's almost six and four. That's crazy. It's the only, It's all that matters to me. I, my, my coach was saying to me, you know, I, I'm trying to buy a hockey team. That's my goal. I've been doing that since I was 11. That's I literally really? set the goal to buy a hockey team when I was 11. Like a pro team. Yeah, I wanted to own the St. Louis Blues. I don't care what team it is now. I'm over that. Uh, I'd be nice if it was the Blues, but they got more expensive with the cup. Uh, uh, (laughs) But that's not my goal in life. It never really was. My goal in life was always to be a a family man. And uh, so, you know, if I got a team but lost my family, that'd be brutal. So uh, I've reprioritized and they're everything to me. And um, uh, I. Another thing, I love that he calls it atomic mornings because the things it gives you isn't just getting up in the morning to more time. It's the things that it, it unlocks. And so uh, it, I'm not patting myself on the back here, but I am proud of this. Is like I write them little love letters or notes hmm. and uh, put them on there uh, at the island where they sit and they love that. And now the impact you have on your daughter, your daughter's daughter or daughter's, is it's cliche but it's all in your actions not your words mm. and so they watch closely and um so i started writing them little love letters and one for mom to uh to show uh, how a woman should be treated and um and uh it's paid off in, in spades and then i just started doing because they're getting older now that i can take them out so i started doing monthly dates, uh, dates. yeah and uh it's incredible it's the best and now they're pumped about it right yeah and I, I, what i got to get better at and i don't know if it's like i I'm a generous guy, so I always buy them things and do stuff. I just got to get better at experiences, and right. so I'm learning about that because that's all they really want is to hang out. I with didn't me. know that about the show versus versus yeah. tell for, yeah. for girls specifically. Yeah. That's why that's why I feel. Anyways, obviously, what you tell them is important yeah. too. But yeah. for sure, you know how you behave, and and one of the things I want my girls to to be is you know, I want them to be just be genuinely kind people. I think mm-hmm. that's such a superpower, and and. Um, and you know expressing love is a is an important thing mm-hmm. so um yeah That's and huge, then man. and then i they it, it's cliche and every 18 months it's like it's they grow up so fast it's insane so that's why the 5 a.m thing is it's for them right it's to totally get up it's for me but it allows me to actually shut down yeah yeah. yeah, no, that's our time my wife's way way gone by by the time she wakes up so yeah 
it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's our thing. Like I, there's nothing that can replace that. You go into the crib yeah. and, and like every day is something new yeah. and it's like, okay, you got to slow down a little bit, but totally, man. I, I mean, I wish we had three hours to talk about this, but, uh, <laughs> but I gotta be home for dinner. Like yeah, man, I can't mess with that. I appreciate <laughs> you coming. No, it's, it's good. Great. And, uh, thanks for having me on and uh, a big shout out. I told Chris, I was doing this and obviously time is tough these days to carve out time. I know we've been trying to do this for a while, so I'm sorry it took no, man. so long, but I, I, I felt like I owed it to you in, in a good way because you've been really uh, a faithful fan to Camino and been patient through lots of um, shitty product builds, but I, you're the OGs on our platform. I, I always um, genuinely appreciate them yeah. and, and still there. And uh, that hopefully that'll be a badge honor for you when we break through and, and be like, Hey, we were one of the first, right? And, yeah. uh, uh, it's not the yeah. platform for me. It's the, it's the people behind it. So. Cool. Well, thank you. Appreciate it, man. I All love right. that you made time in your schedule. Appreciate yeah. it. Cheers. Yeah. See everyone. The growth league podcast is brought to you by hook and ladder digital. We are a digital marketing agency that focuses on building and nurturing engaged brand communities, as well as designing, developing, and optimizing lead generation and conversion funnels that leverage advertising, email, landing pages, and content. Our goal is to connect great products and services with the people that want and need them most at the time that makes most sense for them. We want to see business leaders and marketers win and experience next level growth by co-creating a strategy and working together to implement into market and realize the ROI that we're all looking for. So if you have any questions on your digital marketing program, you need support, or you'd just like to have us take a look, please check us out www.hldigital.ca. Thanks so much.